0: Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. It's
1: to make you go
0: crazy. Oh, it's to make you
2: mad.
1: Well, Good morning and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the fourth day of May. 2014. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. And um, wow, it feels interesting to be doing a Sunday show again. I typically did a a weekend show when I started out for the first, um, gosh, for the first couple of months. Got away from it. Switched to a switched to a, a nightly show, and now we're back on the weekend. So thank you for all the new live listeners that are tuning in. If you're tuning in on Rev Radio, hello, welcome. If you're tuning in on Liberty Movement Radio, hello, welcome. And if you're tuning in through Blog Talk, welcome there as well. If you are new to the show, let me just give you a brief synopsis of who I am and, and what I stand for. Um, I started out about five years ago trying to find out what happened and why a private bank loans our government money at interest. That took me down many rabbit holes and has, in essence, made me the person that I am today. And I've read a bunch of books. I've watched a ton of documentaries and have developed a, an interesting take on the current situation facing humanity, and that, is that we are, is um, that we're not paying attention to the real topics at hand. We go through political football issues. <laughs> Like abortion, gay rights, those types of things, and not to say that those things are not important, but there are very, very large factors that, um, that are kind of sitting over humanity's head, and I thought it was my duty to bring that to the forefront because I used to have people talk to me about certain aspects of, of reality, certain aspects of history… And I would tell them things and they would say, well, where would you get this? And so I would give them the reference and then they would go look it up. And and so I developed a website and decided to promote that to people. And then I started to do a radio show because I felt that it was important for people to hear a different side, a different take, a non-sponsored take on what could be really going on. And in those five years, I have seen the... The United States population go from being somewhat uninformed to either completely oblivious or starting to really care about reality. As they see the economy slipping, as they see uh, civil rights being thrown out the window, as they say just basic human rights be destroyed, we, um, we start to really look at ourselves and wonder where is this all coming from. So when I took a look in the mirror, I found out that most of it is coming from, from me, not me specifically. I mean, I'm not running the government or anything like that. And, but it's coming from my lack of, number one, my lack of knowledge. And you have to admit that first, before you can start learning how all of this really works, you have to also admit that you don't, um, you don't know everything. And you have to challenge your already existing Okay, I am terribly PPP sorry. TPP is
3: the Trans-Pacific Standby, Partnership Agreement, stand by. and it began in. Um...
1: All right, so terribly sorry for anybody that is uh, listening live. My, this is no joke. My computer actually shut down. Uh, had full battery and everything. I have no idea what just happened. So, if you're still with us, thank you so much. Um, Good gosh, where was I? Oh, explaining who, who I am and why I decided to start doing this show. But uh, as I was stating before, um, you need to, as I pull all my tabs back up for the show, you need to at least challenge what you already believe that you know. And then you can get to a point of understanding to where you, um, you'll have a whole different, I guess, um, a whole different reality frame and so that's what it's all about it's all about learning every day how we can change the way that our behavior affects others learning every day how we can better ourselves and and uh, obtain more knowledge and apply that to our daily life to make our lives better and to make the world better and so that's what i that's what i set out to do and you have to you have to basically relinquish your ego because if you're sitting there thinking that your ego is going to survive all of these, all of these changes and all these different um, avenues that you're going to explore, then uh, you're kidding yourself. So once again, sorry for the uh, computer to melt down on me right there, everybody, but um, I'm still having a trouble pulling the studio back up where my clips are. So we'll get that worked out here, I am sure, in a second. So let's get into the topic for the show. And as I stumble and bumble around here trying to get all of my gear back up and running, um, it looks like... There we go. Hopefully I'm still connected. Okay. Anybody out there in cyberspace that wants to hit me up on Facebook or something like that and let me know that you guys can hear me or that we are up and running, that would really be beneficial. So, wow, the, the brand new Sunday show is off to a blazing start. With 12 minutes in, we have finally gotten to the point where we might be able to actually start talking about the topic at hand. So yes, we are back on the air. I have the studio pulled up now, so oh boy, welcome to live radio. So, and I just shout out the link again in case anybody dropped the feed or whatever. You guys can come back and get back into the chat rooms as I pull those back up, and oh man. Wow, what an interesting day. All right, so let's get into the topic at hand and the topic for today's show, and this is not going to take up the entire time, but something that I did want to address. Uh, Which is more dangerous, the end of net neutrality or the Trans-Pacific Partnership? So for people in the off-mainstream media, these two topics are going to be very, very familiar with you. For people that are just coming to this information right now, let me give you some videos that will give you kind of a quick breakdown. And these are some videos that I found on YouTube to be pretty pretty helpful. One of them is an interview with a uh, investigative journalist that I thought was very, very intriguing as he describes all the basic high notes of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And the other one is an animated video showing you what net neutrality is and how they're going to utilize this to bring about Internet controls. Now, if you do remember... Um, there was a reference made <laughs> about two years ago that they wanted to bring in here in America Chinese-style net censorship, which is I think why um, the Russian government is pushing so much. And this came out a couple of weeks ago that Putin was pushing for something to um, to give the EU more control or to give other countries more control of the internet because right now it's dominated by the United States, obviously, since it was a, a DARPA-funded project. Along with um, Google being funded by inqtel uh, inqtel is the um, is a um, quote unquote non nonprofit organization that, um, that typically does a lot of funding for the CIA, but they do it um, as kind of a front group so anytime you see incutel's hands on it, you might as well just put the just put a government stamp on it so when the internet was created, it was created to basically become a communications path between military, and that, that happened a long time ago. They actually had T1s back in the 50s that they were using for communications, but they really didn't realize that they could uh, connect uh, two computers over it. They were just using it for phone line communications. So anyway, moving forward, flash forward you know, 60 years, some people still actually use T1s in their businesses today, which they're very solid and they do what they're supposed to do. And um, But when you look at the way that the net was set up, It was set up for the fact that – well, number one, it was set up by the government, so it should be a red flag right there. And so now that we've moved to a point where the the government has now set up this this monolithic beast, they do have all the keys for it. That's what the Heartbleed stuff was all about, about the keys leaking out for the SSL codes or certificates to basically um, uncrack any security device that you have or if they already have the codes – they can take your username and password, and then poof, you have um, you have no more um, privacy. You're basically subjected to all different types of extortion, and you're also subjected to the good old threat of cyber terrorism and identity theft. So there you go. So moving forward, the United States government sets up the the internet everybody starts piling onto this thing in about the late 1990s early 2000s and then it just takes off like a rocket shot where we are now with broadband internet connection connectivity through your smartphones connectivity everywhere Wi-Fi hotspots everywhere once again bathing you in in Wi-Fi um, but that's a topic for another day and you know basically creating this um, creating this capture system if you will. And we willingly submit to it because hey, if you want to find stuff on the internet, obviously you gotta go places, you gotta use your your caches and you gotta use your other you know, you gotta use the servers that they have available and access the server and that kind of stuff. So, no, not to get too technical on the internet, but that's just a broad overshoot. So now What we have to realize is that it is a two-way street. So when you go to connect to something, you're exposing yourself, they're exposing themselves, and that's what net neutrality is all about. It is all about giving preferential traffic to the larger players, and what they'll do is they'll have to – it'll be a pay-to-play system. So what would you imagine is going to happen? They're going to spin it in the fact that they're going to say – Well, it's for the streaming services like Netflix and like these other things to make your life easier because it will give you more data streams at faster rates. Meanwhile, not telling you that they're going to create tiers and you're going to have your lower-end providers and your higher-end providers. Lower-end provider would be like myself with just a little blog talk radio show or whatever you want to call this, with little um, podcasts, if you will and a little rinky-dick website, you will probably never be able to get to my stuff just because all of the other pipes will be taken up by the big monoliths and they'll just buy everybody out. So as we see this agenda moving forward with net neutrality and why it's such a big deal, think to yourself, who owns these large corporations? Who stands to gain from this stuff? And that will typically point you in the right direction to find out who is pushing for all this style of censorship? And it will typically be governments and large corporations because guess what? They're a bunch of dirty, greasy bastards, and they don't want you to know what's going on with them, and they would like to control the narrative. That is what the ultimate portion is, is about controlling the narrative. As we've seen in the United States, since the invention of all mainstream media, I would say really taking to the forefront like five to seven years ago, You've seen the media in the United States, the media establishment, if you will, not be able to control the narrative. And I tell you what, that really, really sucks when you're trying to tell a population what to think and how to do things. So when we look at these things as far as net neutrality goes, think to yourself – who would stand to gain and who benefits the most? I know that those are very, very simple questions. If you're a rational thinking and human being, and, and I assume that most people that listen to this show are, but, um, but take that into account for sure. And they're going to spin it to you, and they're going to tell you that it's going to be great, and that it's going to make your lives better. And there are going to be some people that go along with it because it'll sound good, And once again, they're first-level thinkers, and there's nothing that we can do for these people except try to quote-unquote wake them up, which will typically just become a frustrating, frustrating task. Not to say don't try it, but throw a couple of tidbits out there. See if they bite, and if they don't bite, just move on, people, because they're not ready. They are not ready for the information that will really probably save their freedom and their children's freedom – but, um, you know, sometimes the glitz and glamour of Hollywood will get the best of everyone, or most people. Not saying that Hollywood is bad in general. I'm just saying that um, it's used there to distract you from the real issues, much like the political football issues that I talked about before. Okay, so now that we're on somewhat of a roll here, let's go to the video on net neutrality. And I will post these in the show links on the WeareNotCattle.net homepage, so you'll be able to find them after the show. Once again, thank you for listening to the show. Share this show if you like the message with people you like, people you love, and people you think want a different perspective on what's really going on and then we can actually start a debate and shift the debate from the controlled paradigm of the media of is it is it racist is it gay rights is it you know is it uh climate change, which is a big issue and I have I have a lot of challenges talking to people about climate change because of the simple idea of the, the ecosystem is kind of silly, especially when you look at it on on the whole, that we live on a violent planet that's changing every day, and we can't predict squadoosh for the most part, but yet people want to say that, oh, there's a baseline, and this is where it typically stays, and this is how it works, and even though we have really... No research to back this up other than what we've been on this planet for the measly, you know, 7,000, maybe 10,000 years that human beings have been on this planet. We've only been tracking this stuff for a couple of hundred, but we need to take this small little sample size of 4 billion years or whatever the, we decide this planet is. This small, incon- I mean, inconceivable timeline. Neil deGrasse Tyson said if you looked at human beings' time on this planet as a... <coughs> As a, um, I guess, as a metaphor, he said, if you look at the human beings' time on this planet, imagine a football field from end zone to end zone is the is the actual time that the planet has been or the universe has been alive, has been moving, has been creating stars, planets, you name it. He said the America or excuse me the the human experience would take up one blade of grass on that entire football field. So think about that one little blade of grass and then think about how little of this data that we have and take a little, just a little, I guess, cut like a little teeny bit off the top of that blade of grass and that's your sample size for global climate change. And we know that it's a fact because we have to keep changing our story. So anyway, moving back to net neutrality, huge issue, very important. And I'm going to go to this clip here so everybody enjoy. It is a rather long one. But I would rather have somebody with a better voice tell you and somebody that can put something in a succinct manner and then we can break it down on the backside and then get into the Trans-Pacific Partnership where it seems like the bum rush on humanity's civil rights, civil liberties, and privacy is in a galloping pace now by whatever you want to call them. The New World Order, the – I guess the internationalists, whatever you want to call these guys – I just call them royal douchebags. Anyway, anybody that wants to dominate and control other human beings, I think, is a piece of trash. But once again, if you want to hear my real take on that, go back and listen to my last podcast about authoritarianism, and then that'll give you some idea of where I'm coming from there. So, enjoy, everybody. It is um, it is Sunday, 11:30, uh, and once again, thanks for sharing the message. I apologize for the cheesy music.
0: What is net neutrality? Net neutrality is the equal treatment of all data, just like these data packets. Net neutrality means that users like us should decide which devices, software, services and websites are used. Net usage should be open and without any third party telling us what will and won't work. Why should you care? because it is an awesome thing from which you benefit every day and because this awesome thing is currently endangered. A neutral network shows no discrimination towards the sender, content or receiver of sent data packets. It doesn't make any difference which rate the sender and receiver are paying or what kind of application or protocol sends or receives the packets. Or, in simpler terms, imagine the web as a road on which data packets are moving. This road connects all computers that are connected to the internet. On the crossroads of these streets are routers, which direct the data packets on the right route to their destination. The routers don't care who comes down the road, nor do they care how they look, where they are from, where they want to go, or what content they have with them. This way, I can communicate directly with my friends, even if they're living on a different continent, pay different rates, or have a different provider than me. I can access the internet to visit any website or play any game, no matter who is offering them or where the hosting servers are located. I can watch any video or read blogs from all over the world, and I can take part in initiatives and open source projects. I can do all this whether I'm using a tablet, laptop, PC, or mobile device to access the internet. This is what the internet is all about. This is the way we expect it to work. We all benefit, as a community, from these neutral communication networks. They guarantee our access to all available content on the World Wide Web. Because of this system, the network providers have earned billions in the last several years. Net neutrality, an awesome idea for all of us. So, what is the catch? The telecommunication providers now make the claim that these imaginary data roads could experience traffic jams. They want to abolish the concept of net neutrality. Of course, this isn't true. Data networks are not real roads. As we know from the hardware manufacturers of the network infrastructure, there is in fact enormous untapped capacity in the network. Not to mention, operators of content distribution networks tell us that data traffic is unbelievably cheap. Why are telecommunication companies making these claims? For years, our connection providers have been jealously looking at the biggest profit centers of the internet service providers. Content providers, search engines, video platforms and social networks. They all want their share of these profits as the digital age reduces traditional revenue streams. Now they want not only to transport data, they also want to exert power and control on whatever is offered. So, how do they want to do that? To achieve this, the telecommunication providers have considered splitting the data into categories, or rather, casts. The lowest cast of this system would be the regular internet which would only be available for a limited amount of data and would have to take a back seat to higher cast when being sent through the data network. The highest cast contains content from the net provider, segregated from the internet, and would receive preferential treatment and unlimited access, naturally, all through an extra subscription. Between these two, many other priority levels are possible. For example, the cast for data from social networks that raises the traffic data toll for the social network provider. This, of course, means that the receiver will have to pay for an extra subscription as well. In the same manner, an extra service to provide games for consoles or reading online newspapers could be implemented. They would be separate from the Internet, and both the distributor of the service and their customers could be charged for it. Competitive offers would be restricted or blocked. So, how does this work? Let us go back to imagining the data network as roads. The router, which originally directed data to the right route, would be upgraded with toll stations that scan through the data packets and separate them by cast. Depending on the cast, the data packets could use a special road that was separated from the main road in order to reach their destination faster. However, if the toll was paid for data of a lower cast, they would have to use the slower, regular road. If no payment for the data was made by the sender, it would be assigned to a lower cast and would only be allowed to use the street if it was empty and not too many data packets had passed through the toll station. Should the data packets be part of programs, services, content or senders that were not liked by the telecommunication provider, they would be slowed down excessively, sorted through and possibly even destroyed. Moreover, if this was not clear, we customers do always pay, no matter if a service provider pays toll as a sender or not. Therefore our data traffic might get limited and we would have to pay for more data traffic subscriptions. So, what does this mean? Non-commercial services and community projects, like Wikipedia for example, could not afford this cost toll and would have limited availability or not be available at all. Direct communication with friends and acquaintances could be filtered or blocked as a rival to established models of service and commerce. Once such a control and filter infrastructure is introduced and established, filtering and discarding of unwelcome data like competitive offers or services could be done easily. Filtering opinions, information or political viewpoints is just a small change in the system settings. What if we let infringement of net neutrality happen? Such a process is very difficult to reverse, if it's possible at all. We would lose the richness of the internet, the variety of options through which we shape the net. We would lose much content because providers cannot afford the toll of the telecommunication enterprise anymore. We would lose the free competition and by this, the release of new services of smaller companies or community projects. The free access to content and information that we currently enjoy would be gone. There would be a two, three or four class model of the internet, or even not just one internet but many. And different content would be available in different nets. Think of it like a set of TV channels from a pay TV provider, where in addition to basic programs, there are premium programs that are charged differently depending on the channel. You could only access whatever the providers offered and expected to be profitable. The network operators regime would severely limit today's freedom of information on the internet, and for this loss, we would have to pay more. However, our providers say that they would never do such a thing. It is just something like a rise in price. But of course, the telecommunication providers have been proven to lie right to our faces when making arguments against net neutrality for example the claim of non-available capacity or that countries with laws for net neutrality would have a slower internet connection if they're already lying at this point why would they tell the truth by promising to build a faster net with the additional money while claiming they will not sift through our data even though they need it in order to make the caste system work how can they possibly keep the richness and the competition with such a system. Therefore, protest with us. Request statutory regulations for net neutrality in... All
1: right, so there you go. Um, what an incredible video. She does a great job breaking it down, and it's, uh, it's in a cartoon format, so it makes it fun for me to watch. So anyway, that is the essence of net neutrality, ladies and gentlemen, and the reason that net neutrality is coming in and yes, um, put on your tinfoil hat with me because we're going to go down a conspiracy theory, quote unquote, where at least the media will say it's a conspiracy theory. But how dare something developed by the government, remember, through secret projects and front groups like NQTEL, you know, utilizing the CIA's front money and through black projects, building the internet, creating this, um, creating this. Fervor, if you will uh, over the internet and and what we can do with one another, and then them saying, Oh, you know what yeah it's a little bit dangerous out there, so we're going to need to start you know sifting through data and we're going to start prioritizing data, and in essence if you if you study telecommunications um this would be like uh, a very, very large QoS system, except for uh, QoS meets quality of service. But what they're going to do is um, partition off certain levels of of data, like they were saying. So, if you're looking at QoS on a network for your for your business or something like that, and anybody works for a large corporation, you'll understand. QoS means that anything that takes um that takes uh, voice or video will get prioritized first because they need to have as many packets as possible go back and forth between them so that everybody can hear one another and it doesn't sound like that. Or your computer just shuts down like what happened with me. Anyway, so they will do that first. And then second, they will get... Um, so you'll get video first. You'll get voice second. And then third and finally it will be any kind of... Um, or not third and finally, but you might have another layer for connectivity to a a cloud server so that you can run one of your applications for work, and then goes down to regular old web surfing. So what they would like to do is in order to control the internet and once again keep us safe from ourselves, they would like to bring in this style of censorship to where they would be able to route the traffic like the video was saying and be able to put tags on them and say, oh, you're in the preferred lane, you're in this lane, and you're in the free domain lane, which is basically not going to be existent. And then they're going to step it up a little bit further, probably with cyber attacks and stuff like that. Imagine that, government staging false flags attacks on himself to bring in bigger, bigger rules and regulations. Imagine that. I know that's never happened before. Hint, hint. Go look those up or go look up um, – anyway. So they'll probably stage cyber attacks on themselves and then bring in other regulations and say, oh, well, we're going to need you to sign in to the Internet because we need to know – You know, We need to know who you are, what your searching habits are, which they've already got all this stuff. I mean Google Analytics has already got all this stuff. Facebook tracks you. Twitter tracks you. Almost everything that you do tracks you now. So if you're looking to be um, quote-unquote off the grid or not surveilled in America, not happening. So just understand where we're at in this juncture. You can either have a free internet and we can move forward with open source software and try to make this better – or we can let the government and the United Nations and other uh, individual, or excuse me, and other authoritarian regimes like China make up rules for the internet, which I'm sure would be very beneficial for the people. Now, the reason that we're bringing all this up is the rise of off-mainstream media, because now with the off-mainstream press, with sites like I guess websites like um, Infowars is I guess decent if you make sure that make sure they research and, and double-check all their facts because they, they typically will, will get out ahead of themselves sometimes. But it's, very, it's a very decent site. And if you want to take on something else that's off mainstream media and you want a liberal perspective, I guess Infowars would be considered a, a right-wing perspective. But if you wanted a, a, a liberal perspective, you could go to Raw Story. That's a pretty decent site. But understand that you're going to get a skew here. So what makes this so incredible is that the establishment is finally admitting that they're losing the constraint on the people. And here is a clip from Hillary Clinton a couple of years ago, and I hope that this is the right one, but um, where she's talking about that they're in the information war and they're losing the war. Yes, you are losing the war because people understand in America at least, or at least the people that follow my show, that follow other shows like this, understand that that the majority of these wars that we go to, into are, number one, they're preemptive, which are – used to be considered wars of aggression before two, World War II, which were huge, huge international no-no's. But for the American people, it's okay. You know, Let's go get the bad guys before they get us, which is never a diplomatic solution in any stretch of the imagination, and it makes you look like an empire, which we are. So – they're losing the war on that front because the American people aren't buying it anymore. When we saw this with the Assad uh, scenario where where there was no real proof that the Syrian rebels launched the chemical attacks. If if anything, there was proof that, that they were staged attacks so that they could blame it on the serial, Syrian rebels. And the American people finally call, got off their butts, called their congressmen and said, hey, don't do this. Don't go to war. And so the president came out and gave this grand posture that he said he's going to let congress decide knowing good and well that if he went through with this he would probably be impeached. So great political move on Barack Obama's part. You know, that's all it was was playing party politics or excuse me playing politics period and he got himself off the hook because congress said no go. And so now we're back to all these other issues that are abroad. So we have we have that pushback from the American people And now we're starting to get really, really tired of war because we've been in war for a good part of 40 years. So now people are asking the questions. Why are we at war? What did they do to us? And maybe, just maybe, we'll come to this point in American society where we sit there and think, you know, have they attacked us? What have they done to us? Because we're broke people. We are extremely broke. And we we owe all of our money to a private international banking system which is just an absolute joke in and of itself, but the American public, my wife said the other day, she saw this um, bumper sticker, and I'll have to try to find it, because I will sell it on my website if I can find it. It said, uh, I'm a good American. I pay my taxes. Everybody that listens to the show just soak that in for a little bit. I'm a good American. I pay my taxes. So there you go. Let's go to Hillary Clinton talking about how the elitist class is now losing the information war. And a little inside baseball, I think, personally. Since the writers of the anybody that watches uh, the Netflix show um, House of Cards, uh, the person that wrote that was a big uh, Clinton establishment insider. And I think that the majority of that is based on the lives of Bill and Hillary Clinton just a pet theory of mine and you know I don't want to be talking bad about the Clintons because I am going to bring up Mr. Bill here a little bit later on because there was an interesting article about him. So let's go to Hillary Clinton talking about hey. um, Oh and this is uh, her, her remarks to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and the Secretary of State back in I guess 2009. So here we go. Hopefully here we go. We'll see how the technology deals with us this morning. Oh yeah, wait, 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 wait. Still working on loading up the video. It hasn't been a rough show today.
2: Well, it's gonna get better, everybody. Hey. We are engaged in an information war. Yes, you are. You know, during the Cold War we did a great job in getting America's message out. After the Berlin Wall fell, we said, Okay, fine, enough of that. I'm you know, break we've all done, this done it. We're done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um,
2: yeah. and unfortunately we are paying a big price for it. Oh, yeah. And our, our private media cannot fill that gap. In oh. fact our private media, particularly cultural programming, often works at counterpurposes to what we truly are as Americans and what our values are. I remember having an Afghan general tell me that uh, the only thing he thought about Americans is that all the men wrestled and the women walked around in bikinis because the only TV he ever saw was Baywatch and worldwide wrestling. So we, we are in an information war, and we are losing that war. I'll be very blunt in my assessment. Al Jazeera is winning. The Chinese have opened up a global English language and multi-language television network. So, so basically
1: Ru- what she's saying there, in not m- mincing any words, is the American people don't buy our propaganda anymore. And we can't do it with private media, so we'll have to bring in government operatives in order to get our message out and make sure that we control the narrative because we can't go bomb and invade you know peaceful nations unless we control the narrative and make the american people really think that there are weapons of mass destruction that we never found that um we needed to go in and kill a million iraqis and also you know basically decimate that entire population with all the depleted uranium that we used over there and and now they have birth defects all over but you know what that's good that is that is good job america that's what we need to do That's what the American people are about. We're a warmongering group of people. We actually do, in a lot of ways, for those of you that study history will probably agree with me, um, we do resemble Rome uh, a lot towards the fledgling and dying out of the society and the collapse of the Roman Empire, which actually shifted, but we will get into that topic another day. So now that we've covered net neutrality and we've covered the establishment saying that we're in an information war and we've got to kind of get our stuff together and make sure that that we can't um, – basically that we can control the narrative because the Chinese are doing it and Al Jazeera is doing it. But we're lagging behind, and, and then there was that big article that came out uh, I think five years ago by Media Matters saying that they were going to infiltrate all off-stream media and destroy the off-stream media from within. So – The reason that that's very important, think about it in terms of getting your information. If myself have a podcast, if moi has a podcast and you would like to listen to it, if Net Neutrality comes in, you will probably never be able to find it or it will take you three years to download, so everything's great. But… Huge amount of lists like CNN, who's been on record lying to you, especially during the Iraqi War. And I hate to break it to you, uh, CNN lovers out there, but um, go research the the staged um, the staged incident where the CNN reporters and I'll actually just put this in the in the uh, in the show notes. The CNN reporters were like, "Oh, we're over in Afghanistan. We're getting we're in we're in Iraq and we're getting bombed." And they were in downtown Atlanta with fans going in fake palm trees. So. So you've got them and you've got other media sources that are going to be doing the same thing. And they will get preferential treatment and they will be there to propagandize the public and get us sold on another war and get us sold that, you know, all this tracking and tracing is good for us because we're stopping terrorism. And if you guys want a really awesome book to read, and it's available on Audible, that's where I read it, um, the C, um, it's called The Manufactured War on Terror. And it is by Mr. Aronson, I believe it is, who was an investigative journalist that, um, that basically uncovered that almost every FBI sting operation or terrorist that we've caught in America um, since 9-11 has been a FBI-funded. And basically they... They will help the person get the funding. They will help them get the bomb. They will push them to a point and even catch them on tape pushing this person to admit, yeah, we should probably blow this place up. And then they arrest him and say, look, we caught another terrorist. I mean it's literally that crazy. And he said that um, I think in his research he only found two targets that were possible terrorists out of the – I think it was – let's see. The Bush era did 75 the last two years. The Obama administration – now the Bush era did zero the last the last year that they were in office. Imagine that you caught zero terrorists, and you pushed you know pushed out for zero terrorists, and you didn't set anybody up. And the Obama administration in the first two years went after seventy five people through the FBI uh, informant ring, which now basically has about twenty thousand people in it. So they're everywhere, and they're provocaturing these people, and brainwashing these people, and trying to get them to. Um, to fake like a – not to fake, but to execute a terror attack. And then right before they get to the planning stage, after the planning stage is over, they go to implementation. As soon as they go to implementation, they arrest these people who, in the majority of the time, he says, are either homebodies that live with their parents, that have um, no social skills, they have no money. And they most of them don't really have a drive. They're just all talk. But – Yeah, that's the government keeping you safe, and so they can get billions of dollars of our tax money and protect us from fake terrorists that don't even exist. So there you go, everyone. Now, moving on to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Speaking of manufactured garbage, let's talk about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Now, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and I've got about 14 minutes, so this should work out well. The Trans-Pacific Partnership is a backdoor trade agreement with only corporations that can you know, send information back and forth. The top 100 corporations that are involved in this Trans-Pacific Partnership have actually seen it, can read it, can make editations to it. Once again, my favorite word to make up, editations. Can send it back and forth through one another, and they can um, basically make backroom deals in order to shut down the, the resistance to – Um, corporations being over government, which is in essence what it is. So most people think that that's pretty much a bad idea, so guess what? There's some people in Congress that say, I want to see this charter. I want to see it, and then they whack it with the national security parameter, and you can't see it. One actual senator got to see it, one. He was only in the room with it for an hour. He does not know international trade law or anything like that, so this is probably going to be – you know, it's a joke. They're like, okay, yeah, you can come look at it. So he can't bring anybody else in with him, can't bring pen or paper, he can't take notes, and he can't repeat anything that he read. So, I mean, we obviously know that this is a good deal for everybody. I mean because corporations would never lie to us, right? So here we go. I'm going to go to a clip of – Glenn Moody, who is a journalist and writer who um, specifies that looking at open source, open data, copyright patents, and digital rights. And this was off a, um, a show, I guess, off of uh, Truthloader's website, so I will give them a plug. Good job, guys, because um, this interview is very, very good. And explaining what the Trans-Specific Partnership is, and enjoy, everyone, and let's, um, let's get some knowledge going.
3: 2005. It was a very small agreement between uh, a bunch of countries like New Zealand and Brunei and Singapore. It was really very modest. It just wanted to increase the trade amongst those countries. And then in 2010, the U.S. sort of invited itself and said, well, you've got a a rather nice little treaty there. Why don't you let us join in? Oh, yeah, sure. And since that time, TPP has been growing and growing in importance. Until now, it is trying effectively to define what trade will be like for the next kind of 20 or 30 years. So it's a massively important global treaty that's trying to set the terms for not just trade but also a lot of other legal aspects of life in the future years. WikiLeaks uh, actually managed to get hold of probably the most important because most contentious chapter. It's dealing with what's called IP. So it's things like copyright and patents and one reason why that's so important is because it has massive effects on the internet. So everyone, like everyone watching this, for example, will be affected by these rules because it's trying to set the rules for how people use the Internet. So I'll just run through some of the kind of things it's doing. Um, I mean, it's it's very broad. It covers, as I say, patents and copyright. So, for example, for patents, uh, it's it's nearly all the Americans who are driving this. As you say, it's hard to read partly because there are some things that the Americans want, there are some things Australians want, and so it's a kind of mishmash, but... Basically, what I'm going to be talking about is what the Americans want because they are the ones driving this, and basically everyone else is fighting them. Uh, For example, for patents, they want to be able to patent animals. They think that would be a really good idea. (laughs) Um, Another good idea, they think, is that you can patent surgical methods. Mm. So whereas we tend to think of health as being something you just, you know, try and uh, help by letting doctors do what they can. They actually want to patent it so you get people who will be forbidden from doing operations because it might infringe on someone's patent. So that's another really interesting idea. Um, so that's, that's, the patent side is, is that kind of thing. It's just making the system worse in many ways, trying to make patents even stronger to get more money out of people. But let's, let's concentrate on copyright because that's really what's going to affect the internet and therefore your viewers mostly. Uh, It's got a lot of things like extending the term of copyright, so uh, copyright typically lasts for 70 years after the death of the person who's created something. Um, Interestingly, when copyright was invented in 1710, it was only 14 years. Mm -hmm. So you can already see that it's extended massively. Um, Some countries like Mexico want to now make it 100 years after the death of the creator. So they want to extend copyright. They also want to um, bring in the idea that even temporary copies are covered by copyright. You say, well, why would I care about that? Well, everything traveling across the internet is actually a copy. Mm -hmm. Everything on your computer when you download stuff, when you watch this program, is a copy. Mm -hmm. And they want to bring in copyright for that. So you have to get permission just to download anything across the internet or even have it on your computer. So (laughs) they're trying to broaden the range of copyright. Um, they're also trying to make the DRM, the idea of locking down copyright materials, even more stringent so that you can't actually um, you know, break the, the copyright on things like uh, DVDs or anything else, bring in more stringent laws against that. Um, they want to bring in very harsh civil damages. So if you're found to have infringed on copyright, they want to bring in laws that would effectively let you be sued for practically everything. like they, They're claiming things like the effective loss of revenue, the lost profits, the damages. They just mm. pile it on, so try to make it as expensive as possible. Um, worse than that are the criminal damages, just to distinguish between the two. Cri- uh, civil damages are when you get sued for money. Criminal damages are when they send you to prison. Oh yeah, that's um, What they want to do is to extend copyright infringement, so if you make illegal copies, from being just civil to a criminal offence. So if you actually made a, a copy of something on the right scale, they would then send you to prison. It wouldn't just be a matter of paying a
1: fine. Oh, God, doesn't that sound good, everybody? Man, government, just, government and corporations just love you so much. This is why I get absolutely baffled by people that are And It just absolutely baffles me. The government is the monopoly of force, and it makes you do things through force and coercion or the threat of violence, which always sounds like a good idea because that's the way that society has always been. And I, for one, believe that we can be different. I believe that we can live in a voluntary society where it's voluntary interaction, that we don't have to point guns at people and say, give me your money so I can give it to somebody else so that they can give it to somebody else to make sure that this guy eats. It really is silly. But that's what we get, everyone. The Trans-Pacific Partnership, net neutrality, which is worse? Good Lord, who knows? But as you guys can see, together, these things would absolutely decimate the Internet as we know it. It would absolutely ruin any kind of Internet freedom that we have. And moving forward, think about this. Your children would never know what it was like to have a free Internet. Your children would never know what it's like to, dare I say, go and see a pirated Video, how dare they? Because at the end of the day, what we are fighting against and what we are pushing back towards is the difference between government controlling information, corporations controlling information, and the human beings that inhabit this planet—the people controlling the human, controlling the information. Who do you think will be better stewards of this? Do you think it will be us? The individuals being able to say, no, I think that I can limit what my child does, or I think that I can limit what I do, or I think that I can shy away from X, Y, and Z. Do I need the government to come in? Do I need foreign corporations to come in and try to make money off the internet? Which is what they're doing because they're realizing that all these old medias, all these old ways to generate revenue are going away. And I saw this with a telecommunications company that I worked for they were realizing that all of these T1 connections and that these plain old telephone lines are all going to go away because everything will be either cloud based or what's called sip based or voice over ip based so that they saw that they were going to lose their revenue stream so all of them either jumped to the try to you know offer cloud solutions or they tried to find something else scrambling around understanding where all this stuff was going, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason that they want to bring these things in. It is not to keep us safe. It is not to have better data and better search engines because that's how they're going to sell it. Internet, too, will sell it to you like that, that it will be, oh, it'll be faster, and oh, it'll be great, and you'll have more security, just the same garbage that we were sold after 9-11 that we need to have – the Department of Homeland Security needs to be over everything, including the military, in order to make sure that these issues don't happen anymore, that we don't get you know, 12 terrorists coming in from Saudi Arabia that blow up a building and then we go invade Iraq. We need to make sure that we have a group in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. Really, really silly stuff. So understand that where we are going with this, ladies and gentlemen, this is the ruling elite's push. This is – and if you guys don't believe that the ruling class is still around, um, Tragedy and Hope is a good reference for you. That would be where I would start, and you can actually find a digital PDF copy of that on my website under Things That You Should Know and Books to Read. It is right there, along with Edward Bernays' Propaganda, um, a bunch of others, and I will be adding to that list every day because the more I find these – I think the Sacred Mushroom and the Cross is on there as well but the more I find these interesting pieces of material to come across to change my perspective, change my point of view, and to get me questioning what I thought reality was beforehand, I tried to bring it to you the audience, and at least give you the opportunity. And once again, if you haven't already done so, please check out Peace Revolution Podcast at TragedyAndHope.org and also, if you're listening on the JREV Radio, thank you so much. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on Liberty Movement Radio, thank you so much for listening. Got all my stations plugged there, and so now we are going to wrap up the show. So what is the overall take of this, Jake? What do we need to know? What we need to know is that the Trans-Pacific Partnership first is a deal set up of, by, and for corporations to shut down the internet as you know it and to bring in internet too and be able to tax you on anything that you buy on the internet, trace you, track you, whatever, and in essence shut you down just like Sandra Bullock in the net if they find that you went to some site that they don't really approve of. So it's selective enforcement of course because somebody, an activist like myself that's trying to actually help people and change the narrative and change the world – we're going to be shut down and shunned because we're not going to meet the requirements and we're not going to be able to pay the, quote, fees that it takes to be in the fast lane of traffic or even in the middle lane, probably not even the slow lane. So you will see discrimination against political points of view. You will see discrimination against other corporations. And that will leave them to more and more control and more and more consolidation. And as we know, that is what the game is all about if you read the grand chessboard that is what the if that along with divide and conquer is what it's all about so the transpacific partnership of buy and 4 corporations net neutrality that needs to be pushed and it is now being pushed in congress so you need to find out what stage it's in and do some due diligence, find out who your congressperson is. And once again, I am not a statist by any stretch of the imagination, but we have to use the tools that we have in our in our grasp at this point in time. I believe that a voluntary society would be the optimal one, but I am also a realist and understand that the way that the, the public is conditioned right now with their 15,000 hours of public education in order to worship the state, worship authority, that that will not come to pass currently. We have to do what we can with the tools that we have, and then slowly try to get people to shift their idea from being slaves and being manipulated and being told what to do, when to do, and how to do it, and it's amazing. Um, I've seen adults that do this just say, 90 seconds. well, just just tell me what I need to do. Just tell me what my job is. Just tell me. No, 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 no. How about this? Why don't you think for yourself and come up with something? How about that? No, 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 because no, that takes effort, and that takes – you know, I would rather just be told what to do and then I could just go and do it so that is it for that portion of it and also once again contact your representatives make sure that they know where you stand on net neutrality find out where they stand and make sure that this stuff doesn't pass and if it does pass you need to get pissed and you need to tell people in this podcast to people to give them a quick reference as far as what is going on so once again thank you everybody for listening Um, sorry for the stumbling and bumbling around here at the beginning of the show but I think we got off a good one Remember, catch me Thursday night, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here. Check the website, wearenotcattle.net, for the link. Remember, everybody, and check me out here next Sunday, 11 a.m. Get a friend, get informed, get involved, stop net neutrality, and stick it up the you-know-what of the oligarchs. Peace, love, and liberty, everyone.